Hello, welcome to BlazePod. It is Thursday, the 3rd of January. Happy New Year to you listening there. And joining me is Jay, Blades Analytic. Happy New Year to you, mate. How are you doing? I'm all right, mate. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all Blades. What a bloody good end to 2018 it was. It wasn't bad, was it? So, I mean, since since we last spoke, uh, we lost to West Bromwich Albion uh, and then drew with Ipswich, uh, which was, you know, not not great i think that at that point you know the west brom game uh i don't really have too much to say about that one i think i had slightly too much christmas cheer before that game and don't really remember too much about it that was significant i think um and then unfortunately i missed all of the ipswich game it was like the first game this season where i've not seen a single minute of it i think because i was um well, not driving home for Christmas, but driving away for Christmas with uh, with family. Um, but then we got into the good stuff. We beat Derby on Boxing Day, beat Blackburn a few days later, and then we beat Wigan on uh, New Year's Day to make it, uh, what is that, 10 points from, uh, from possible 12 over Christmas. That's pretty darn good, I think, and we're up to third in the table. And yeah, everything's looking pretty rosy right now uh what was your uh you know anything to anything to add to that in terms of just uh overall elation at how well that went over christmas yeah pretty much just that isn't it it's just it is elation especially from uh i think post west brom there was a naturally i don't think it's just our fans it's this wonderful generation that me and you expose which is the twitter generation <laughs> you know every game is a world cup final it's a must win, cannot lose, apparently, even though it's a 46-game season. But I think the Ipswich one was probably the worst because, obviously, you go away to Ipswich and they are shockingly poor. Mm. And when you don't win there, they put up a fight, they ran hard against us. But when you don't win there, even I, after that game, could understand why questions were being asked about the runner form. And then, you know, when you look at it, OK, we probably deserve to just about nip that game so you're not quite sure what's going to happen. Derby top six on Boxing Day. And then from that moment, this side have just looked like a side that's going to get promoted, quite frankly. It's just, we haven't even played that well. I can't, you know, I, I don't think we played well at the weekend. I've rewatched the game back and we, we didn't really play that well. Mm. We, weren't, we weren't bad. We were good, but we weren't great. We've been better in games we've lost. Um, we weren't amazing against Blackburn in the first 45 we weren't amazing against Derby in the first 45. But what we have done is all of a sudden started taking chances at the right times. And uh, before you know it, we look like a side that's got so much about us and that everyone in the division scared of. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, sort of getting stronger in a few of those games as well has been very impressive, particularly the Derby and Blackburn games, which uh, we'll talk about in a bit more detail uh, later on in this podcast. I mean, yeah, the, the sort of big picture right now, I mean, <clears throat> as I say, we're third in the league, I think we're eight points clear of seventh, which is, that is a big gap. I mean, I'd, you know, I know the uh, bookmakers aren't, you know, they factor in the amount of money that's actually bet on these things as well, but we're very much odds on to make the playoffs from this position. I think, you know, sort of one to seven on kind of odds to make the playoffs because it is a ridiculously strong position. But then you look at some of the other stuff as well. I mean, we have the second best goal difference now. This is with our, you know, our, our dodgy defence, as some people have called it, and, you know, our, our sussed out attack or past it attackers, second best goal difference, third highest scorers. Um, only Borough have conceded fewer goals than us. There's a few teams we share that with, but, you know, Borough are an absolute freak. They only have sort of one goal in every one of their games anyway, so you can almost throw that out. 
So, yep. yeah, you know, over the space of like four games, I suppose, everything looks very, very promising. And obviously we're we're into January now. We've already um, secured the loan of, of Kieran Dowell, who I guess will get a debut against Barnet this weekend. Touch on him a little bit later on, perhaps. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's a far cry from uh, you know I saw you sort of saying it on Twitter. You know, people, some people are saying to you that we're we're a mid-table side, and you know, you and I certainly had been kind of banging this drum that well, no, I'm gone because unlike last season, even when we've had some below par results, we've kept creating chances. We just haven't finished them. We weren't being clinical, but all the other sort of signs were that they that we are a a very good team in this division which we've been saying for pretty much all all season long and yeah I think we can probably you know just give ourselves a little pat on the back that uh that's continued to uh to to become accurate I suppose over Christmas yeah no one else is going to do it are they so we might as well (laughs) it's 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 true I mean it's sometimes we all and probably me and you are more guilty than anyone of this because we look so hard at at the, the performance numbers and we try and make some predictions and judgments with some evidence, it, you get lost in just the basic facts, which is just the run of fixtures that we had was hard. Mm. <laughs> I think we said it on the pod just before the Rotherham game, actually. And I said to you, you know, there's a run of fixtures coming up here that on paper is very difficult mm-hmm. and we'll do well to get an amount of points from it. And we didn't, you know, we didn't get those points. Some games we played well and didn't get a point. Some games we like Rotherham, we played poorly and somehow come away with something. But, it was a hard run of fixtures and, and this on paper is an easier run of fixtures. Derby aside, they are, you know, current top six side, but Wigan are in shocking form. They're, they're, they've been good at home all year, but in the last six games, they're poor. Blackburn mm. have, I mean, they gave a great game to West Brom the other day, but I think at Christmas, you know, individual results can't be looked at because tiredness plays a factor and, and just games catch up. But, you know, they were, they were, they were in pretty poor form as well. Um, so these are sides we should be beating and, and, you know, home games for Sheffield United are going to be the thing that makes us the playoffs or not. Mm. So, I, you know, and it also falls into this hole. I mean, I, I even said it, and you, to be fair, I'm going to give you the credit, you were not batting this top six narrative away. But, you know, even I was thinking, oh, can we beat top six sides? And then we went and did it against Derby. And people are now saying, well, I don't think Derby are going to be a top six side. Which is just, I'm not having I mean, that. <laughs> just, just keep shifting the goalposts. No, you can't. Yeah, who is then? You know, you can't say that. We've done Villa. Are they going to be top six? We beat Norwich when they weren't in the top six. You know, so it's just... But it was nice to do that, to get that monkey off the back. Because um, I think that was becoming a bit of a thing, wasn't it? It, it felt like that in the atmosphere as well when Derby scored. Mm. If there wouldn't have been the melee in the back of the net and Dean Anderson having a fight on one leg, if there wouldn't have been Wilder jumping at the bit to give Lampard a chin in, I don't think the atmosphere would have been as good as it was because it, for me, it felt unsettled. When that goal went in, I initially thought, oh, here we go again. Mm. You know, we've played, we've got the goal up. We started the second half well. It goes in from 35 yards. It's going to be them on top now. So that that was really interesting that because all that happened, the atmosphere just absolutely flipped. And all of a sudden we went from third or fourth <clears> gear to another gear I've not seen us have all season, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the Derby game now then, seeing as you've you brought it up in some detail. Do you know, I, th- I think there's one other thing that uh, ramped up the atmosphere that, there, and it, it was a penalty somehow not being given on <laughs> David McGoldrick when he was about to head into an empty net. Um, you know, I've still not seen a, a, an actual decent replay of this. I've only seen the sort of standard oh. TV camera from the South Stand, but from the cop, I lost my mind. I could not believe that it wasn't a penalty and a red card. Um, and and that, you know, then Derby went straight down the other end 
you know, probably 20 seconds later, won a free kick themselves, which um, Wilson scores his customary blinder from. And yeah, that that was the um, the, the spark that, that kind of lit the fuse, if you like. And yeah, the, the atmosphere in that second half was... I would say pro- I was thinking about this earlier. I think that might be my favorite United game this season. I think it was the best atmosphere as well. I mean, the, the easy like reference point is uh, is Villa at home, but we absolutely yeah. blitzed them, and their fans were like, you know, sat on their hands after about twenty minutes because they knew they were in for an absolute hammering. Whereas this was a proper uh, powder keg of a game, if you like, which which felt like it could sort of go either way, right up until us getting our our third goal. But yeah, what it was a fantastic game. I mean. I, I I managed to pop back to Sheffield from our uh, Christmas retreat with the family to um, to watch this one, and I was so glad that I did because it yeah a, a fantastic game, brilliant result like you say to beat a um, beat a top six side. Uh, you know there was a good sort of edge to the game as well, and and also as you say we we were not that good in the first half. Uh, you know we had a a couple of good chances, one that Sharp did score from, and and a, probably a, an easier one that Carson made an amazing save from. But, you know, I think at half-time, we were winning 1-0, but, you know, you really did look like Derby just had that extra bit of class with uh, with Mount and Wilson particularly. And, you know, Huddleston as well was kind of sliding these through balls and stuff. And, yeah, mm. I, I thought it was going to be a really a really hard second half, if you like. But, boy, did we step up to the plate, and particularly with the sort of the controversy of, uh, you know, could have been 2-0 up and suddenly it's one all. And, yeah, it was just a great occasion and incredibly satisfying win overall. Yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 you summed it up beautifully. You normally do. You articulate things better than me, but that, <laughs> it was—it it was exactly. It was my favourite game of the season. Mm. You know, not not because it was a win, but because of what what that game meant against the top six side at home. Yes, all right, it was a three pm, but it was on Sky as well. Yeah. All the cliched narratives that actually kind of made sense against United before that game were just put to bed. Um, you know, camp we got pegged back. Can we go on and go on another gear against a top six side? Yeah, we did. You know, um, even us, we, we spoke about Didzy and said, we think he'd score more because of his, his XG. I know we'll come on to McGoldrick in a bit more detail later on, but even that, that finish, that absolutely beautiful, calm, cute lob. And you're just thinking that, you know, that, that's not been going right for us in previous weeks either. Mm. You know, that's the type of thing that Didzy would have done, but it would have hit the bar or just gone over or something. You know, a bit of unluckiness, and it just—it all fell for us. But I think the main thing for me is it was—it was the beginnings of the return of John Fleck of the second half of last season. Mm. Um, and, and I love that man when he's on form. He is everything in that league when he's on form. I, I can't honestly say, and it's not biased. I don't think there's many better mm. from his from his role. He was absolutely fantastic. He absolutely bossed the midfield in the second half. It, Mason Mount looked like a child in the second half because he just he did no, but he did he didn't know where to go because Fleck and Norwood were just. I mean, Norwood's defensive stats in that game were fantastic, but Fleck was just all over them, all over the ball, recycling, recycling, snapping into tackles, playing passes, and he played further forward, which which always helps, I think. But that was great to see um, because we need John Fleck in the second half of the season and we'll talk about the other two games after where he was decent as well. So Yeah, and a, a brilliant assist for uh, McGoldrick's goal as well. Which, uh, what a header! I know, I, I was... when it, I remember thinking at the time when he when he dived into that, I was like, oh, you're going to get a whack in the header and it's going to be a free kick to us. But instead he just wins this brilliant diving header and loops it over the top for McGoldrick. And yeah, it was one of them, one of them finishes where I, I think possibly with... Um, 
you know, knowing McGoldrick's sort of history of missing some chances as well, I think everyone on the ground was kind of like, is this definitely going in? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. properly waiting to sit, not to see if it, I think it actually bounced behind the line. It's like, it is, did, yeah. Has it definitely gone in? It's not going to bounce up and hit the it, bar or something it, like that? It, it was one of those beautiful football moments where time stood still, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. The ball went over the keeper. You could see everyone just clenched, ready to go. And it was <laughs> yeah. like, is it in, is it in? Now, and I was so happy for him for that because th- I'll tell you what, we have said it on this pod as well, so I'll pat ourselves on the back for saying we but we all have argued with anyone that Didzy will score more and that his all-round play deserves a starting spot. Mm. But we have also said mm, he might just not be the best finisher. Yeah. No, his conversion rates aren't that good. You have to be a good finisher to score that goal. Yeah, definitely. Like that, that composure at 1-1. And he was under pressure. You know, He was shoulder to shoulder with a defender. Mm. So, you know, it's not like he was clear for on goal. So, you know, I wouldn't say at all words because we have defended him quite rightly, but made everyone eat their words really, didn't he? And he has done all Christmas, which we'll come on to. But the other thing I want to say as well, individually about that game, I'm sure we'll talk about Billy at the end of this on his own segment because he deserves it. Yeah. George Baldock. Yeah. Since since he has come into the team after the first one or two games when he's edged in, he has been nothing short of magnificent. And I think particularly in this derby game as well, where we, we you know, at times we played more on the counter attack, I think, or more mm-hmm. more direct, I suppose. And he was, you know, he had a massive role in the game. And you know, while he didn't sort of contribute like a, you know, an assist or a goal himself or anything like that, he was just heavily involved. And yeah, absolutely brilliant. You know, the sort of you know, we're probably up there with with some of his better performances last season. I think you know, just sort of full yeah. of energy and speed, getting forward down the right. Yeah, and I mean the the, the clearance off the line from Wilson at nil nil mm. as well. That you know, <clears throat> you don't you cannot comprehend how. I think I put it on my Twitter, and it, I kind of you know I'm not again I'm not just saying what I say on Twitter, but it, it, I think it needs to be said. We lost games on fine margins. Leeds yeah. game, great example. We could have scored a couple of quite easy chances. One random error that will not happen again costs us a game. Yeah. Everyone goes mad. Yet against Derby, the fine margins went in his favour. Baldock clears it off the line. We score against the run of play. Because let's be honest, how many times do we really score from that type of cross right on the touchline? You know, small Billy Sharp from an aerial ball. He scores from crosses across the floor all the time. He's, he's actually decent with his head. But you know what I'm saying, don't yeah, you? Yeah. You know, it's... Jack got to the byline and it was an early cross, so everyone, yeah, right, so we need to cross earlier. But it was really just a hopeful whip in the box. Yeah. It wasn't from our normal good play. So the, the margins just went for us. They really did. Uh, and, it, and that's not saying we're lucky. We're not. We deserve that from our play. Mm. It's just saying that margins across the season will will go both ways and they seem to be turning for us and it's actually made us have results all of a sudden. Yeah, But definitely. yeah, Bulldogs, it's been great. I mean, the guy on the other side as well, we, we've, listen, we created the end of Defender Club. <laughs> I'm not sure how much more we can say on him, but the guy on the other side for me has, has been our player of the season. You yeah, know, it, it's, uh, it's a bold shout, but it's hard to argue with, isn't it? I mean, he's he must be uh, well ahead of his assist tally from last season. Um, oh, he, he got four. He got four, and he's on six now. So yeah, and he, he should really have had. Uh, I think he should have had a couple of assists in this derby game. Actually, he ended up getting one against Blackburn with a brilliant through ball uh, to Sharp. But yeah, I think. Um, if I've got this, if my memory serves me, serves me right, Sharp missed uh, a couple of pretty easy chances by his standards from uh, from Stevens mm-hmm. crosses. There was the one in the first half where, yeah, Norwood sort of sprayed that brilliant pass to, uh, to oh, Stevens yeah. inside the box. He heads it across, and yeah, as I say, sat on the cop. I, I thought it was in. Like everyone on the cop was like on their feet celebrating because it looked like it looked like it sort of been clipped over Carson and it hit the back of the net. But actually, mm. just Carson just made a great save. And then in the second half, he put in a brilliant cross as well, and um, 
I can't remember exactly whether this was a volley or a, a header, but Sharp really should have got it on target and somehow put it wide. Um, yeah, we will talk about Sharp in more detail, but yeah, he was he was he himself was absolutely brilliant in that derby game to the extent where you. It's just almost unbelievable how how well he played, and yeah, it's just it was kind of surprising that he only got one goal from it because you know he just got into scoring positions so so frequently. Um, I just want to quickly touch on something you said earlier about how <clears throat> well I don't think you said randomness, but you know talking about how it, you know with a, it, it's not so valuable looking at individual results over Christmas because you know West Brom, uh, you know really good team, then they they lose to a Blackburn team that we just beat, etc. But you know, for us to win those three games in a row, Derby, Blackburn, Wigan, mm-hmm. very impressive in itself. Very few teams did that. I think only, I think it might only been us and Stoke, uh, sorry, not Stoke, um, Millwall, that won Millwall, all three yeah. games over Christmas. But not only that, it was with an unchanged team through all Absolutely. of those games. Now, something that has been lobbed at United this season is, you know, we run out of ideas, we run out of puff as the game goes on, etc., this is pretty strong evidence that that is not the case. I mean, you and I haven't really felt that that is the case anyway, but no. you know, to to do that with, you know, 30-something McGoldrick, 30-something Duffy, 30-something Sharp, absolutely powering through these games, looking better and better game by game. You know, the only change we made across them all was Craney playing at Wigan, and that was just because Basham was suspended. Otherwise, it would have been an unchanged team for, for all four games, I think. That is incredible. I mean... You know, players and staff deserve a massive pat on the back for doing that, and I'm I'm glad we did because um, you know you can sort of say, well, we we now have a two week break if you like, because regardless of how much respect you want to pay the FA Cup, oh god, we, yeah, we yeah. shouldn't need to play a particularly strong team to beat a non league team. That's that's just fact. Not saying that upsets don't happen, but logic dictates that that is correct. So I'm glad we did it, but at the same time, you have to say that is. Just huge credit to backroom staff and players and everybody involved, really. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Um, uh, it always raises its head at this time of the season. Physios start becoming heroes or villains, don't they? Backroom staff. And I, <laughs> we've known for a while that ours is great. That's why they value Matt Prestridge so much. That's why he's on the bench and he gets yeah. involved in tactical decisions as well. Because, he, you know, for people who don't know, in modern football, sat on a bench, I know this, and even in non league, every single player wears a monitor. Yeah. And their distance is tracked. And as soon as they hit the red zone, for whatever their levels of fitness are, they will be asked to be subbed off to the manager. Obviously, the manager doesn't have to, but the, the fitness coach will be telling the manager, get him off, he's in the red zone. Yeah. At any point, he's going to get injured or he's going to make an error because he's tired. That tells you, with that information, that if a players are playing through pain barriers, which is probably quite off right with this Sheffield United kind of squad that we've got full of great characters, or they're just bloody fit. Yeah. You know, I'm more inclined to go with second. When you look at Billy, I know he's joking about it at the minute, fat lad from Sheffield. It's the fittest I've ever seen him. Duffy looks lean and sharp. Bash can run all day. Jack O'Connell looks like he'd out-bench-press me. He's <laughs> just... They just fit. They really are. It's you a, know, uh, There was an interview with O'Connell a while ago. He said he'd... I think he said he runs 11K every game. Like yeah, he does, yeah. He's doing, more dis- he's doing more distance than centre midfielders in yeah. the Premier League. That is mad Which, when you think about it. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, but at the same time, bloody hell. And that was his yeah. 100th... Blackburn was his 100th consecutive start as well. Uh, and, he's, was, and he's played every single minute since we got promoted to the Championship. Yeah, 101 now, isn't it, against Wigan? Yeah. yeah. It's just... I mean, yeah, well, which is... I think... Uh, is it Danny or Danny or James Shield? They wrote an article on that today, which is just, you know, when you consider the attritional nature of Jack O'Connell, as in 
he wins most headers every game, mm. he flies into tackles and he flies down the wing, then that's quite incredible. 101 games, to be honest. You know, because he does more than any other centre-half. Yeah. You know, so it, it, he's just, they, I cannot praise A, the squad, and B, the backroom staff enough. But also, you've got to praise Wilder as well because the temptation to swap the squad about. Mm. We talked about it all season, you know, to be fresh, to be fresh. Um, You know, going into the second half of the season let's not run out of steam let's not run out of puff we've got people we've got ideas you know we, Sharp needs to be saved it turns out he, he probably doesn't <laughs> you know we've probably got that one wrong they, they've got all the facts and figures there can't wait till sports science data is released publicly but you know they, they were clearly looking at it saying you know what we can capitalise here we can catch some points up our team are fit let's just carry on as per normal yeah no it's, I mean Sharp let, let's talk about Sharp in, in some detail now and uh, yeah this is as you say, it's it's remarkable how just peak fitness he looks. I mean, we've obviously been watching him on and off at United for, for 10 years or more now, but he is just a, a machine was how you described him on Twitter, and he, he absolutely is. I mean, we sort of said for a while, you know, we think a lot of strikers will score goals the way United play. You know, you slot United yeah. into this team, but, well, I don't want to repeat too much what we've said before, but, you know, he is just incredible at finding the positions and then finishing the chances, it's you know I think he's he's outperforming his expected goals. I believe from what you you tweeted the other day, uh, he's the top scorer in the championship now, which is is mad, frankly, with sixteen goals. Uh, I'm just trying to remember how many goals he scored over Christmas. So he scored one against Ipswich, one against Derby, two against Blackburn, one against Wigan. So that's five in four games. Yeah, five in four, four in three. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And then I want to dovetail these together. David McGoldrick as well. Yeah, now up to nine goals. Him and Sharp have scored 25 goals together, and that is pretty darn impressive. I mean, I, I tweeted this, unfortunately, before full-time in the New Year's Day game, so it, it slightly <laughs> became slightly outdated, but he, uh, those two together have scored the same amount of goals as Rotherham and Wigan, and they've scored more than Ipswich and Bolton. And, yeah, I think if you'd told us that before the start of the season, we would have been very, very surprised. And I imagine many of fans would have probably laughed at that idea. You know, not to not to denigrate the ability of those two players, it's more to just say that is an incredible achievement. And, yeah, it also looks like it can probably keep going. I mean, McGoldrick's only now kind of catching up to to what his goal tally should be or getting somewhere closer to that, which which we thought would happen. But yep. yeah, it's it's amazing. Absolutely. Um, you know, just to add further on that, as, as the pair of them, since we've done the pair, the assists as well. Mm. You know, so Billy Sharp isn't an assist type of striker, but he's worked his absolute socks off over Christmas. He's ran channels. I mean, that goal at Wigan, we're trying to do the games, I guess, you know, bit by bit, but because we're on Sharp, that goal at Wigan from the deep goal kick by Henderson, is, you know... I love Dino, but that's not like an Allison or an Edison type goal kick where he's picked no. him out. He's just launched one up top and Billy's fought for every inch of ground with a massive centre half. Yeah, was that Dan no. Byrne, by the way? Because if it is, it was, about... it was, that was that was Nigel Atkins as Dan Byrne. Yeah, he's about four times the size of Sharp. And Sharp he just is, yeah. held him at arms. Like it was like a you know, in the NFL where you see like a stiff arm where they just yep. hold someone off is basically what he just did. Absolutely. And it was, you know, it's not just that, it's the wherewithal as well to do that layoff to Duffy because he's, he's laid it off at the perfect kind of pass speed. Duffy takes it in his stride and the defender's always, already struggling to get to Duffy. Yeah. So, you know, and that sets up that little shimmy in the finish, which we know Duffy can do perfectly. But that, the assist that they're both doing, and it's to each other generally as well, mm. which is the great thing. We actually have a strike partnership, which is amazing to see. But, you yeah. know, Billy on his own individually. So his, his XG is 13.505. 
He scored 16, so he's outperforming his XG. But with Billy, that isn't a surprise. He's done that for the last three seasons. So whenever we talk about expected goals, there's always the question of, will someone regress? Are they overperforming? Are they underperforming? What does that mean? With Billy, it's he's like Harry Kane, Leo, Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo. He always perform, outperforms his expected goals hmm. because he often doesn't need that many chances to score. Because he's such so, a good finisher, yeah. Pretty much that, yeah. He's just such a good penalty box finisher that he will always score more than his XG. So this isn't unsustainable in any way. He has the highest conversion rate still in the top five leagues in Europe. Oh, that is a nice stat. I like that a lot. Yeah, I mean, he's just... I, there is caveats to that for people who've taken a certain amount of shots. Basically, sure. for strikers who actually play games, if you see what yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, of course. If you had some minutes and, and strikers who have taken more than 20 shots, which if anyone hasn't at this stage of the season, you're pretty crap. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that sounds really like something I would probably do, to be honest. Not, yeah, pretty, not yeah. Not I could shots. play a thousand minutes and take three shots. <laughs> but yeah, it's just... I cannot get over the man. I, I, I could talk about the 220 record all day. Mm. Um, you know, because the names on, just the names on that list that he's beaten say how good he is. But more than that for me is the fact he's on 95 for the Blades, which means mm. he's five away from 100. And that Wednesday fixture's coming around quite soon, isn't it? So <laughs> Steady on. <laughs> well, we should mention, because yeah, I did tweet about this, but several months ago, I think it was probably after the Villa game or thereabouts, uh, yeah. we had the poser of, could Sharp score 15 goals this season? And uh, both of us thought that was probably a bit of a push. I mean, he got, what did he get last season? 13, something like that? 13, yeah. yeah 13. So I we think said we, 12 to 15, didn't we? Uh, well, I think we initially said 15, and they said, well, if it was 12, I think we'd both say, yeah, he'll get 12. As it happens, he got 15 by Boxing Day, I think it was. So, <laughs> or uh, the 28, did it before January anyway. So, yeah. I mean, but again, that just that just shows like just how incredible he has been this season. And, it it does look sustainable, like you say. I mean, you know, I did see somebody today saying, you know, there's no reason he can't get 30 goals this season. I'm like, steady on. Like, that does seem uh, maybe a little bit extreme there. But certainly, like you say, that, that 100 goals for the Blades is is very much in his sights. I mean, barring injury, which doesn't, you know, could happen, I guess, but isn't like, it doesn't look like it's going to be a fatigue-based injury at this rate. That no, is very I, I think, achievable. I think, I think, honestly, I think the ceiling's, there's no ceiling to what he can get this year. Mm. We, we've, so we've got the third highest XG in the league at the minute um, behind West Brom and Villa. Yep. So we're in the top three for creating quality chances. We don't create much, so we don't create loads and loads of chances. But one thing I do want to get on with these three games is how we've kind of tweaked tactically. Um, and, and that might actually create Sharp himself more chances because we seem to be playing a little bit more vertically. So we're, we're putting in the odd earlier ball with Fleck coming to the fore a bit more. There's a little bit more drive into the box. So basically we're not playing against so many set defences, mm. which is what Billy thrives on. He thrives on that kind of unstructured chaos, if you will, where he just picks up space and, you know, he's in the, this is what XG does. It says if you're in the right space, you'll score goals and that's what Billy does better than most. But I just, you know, I just want to say, Get rid of expected goals here. Just look at goals per 90 minutes played. You know, So just goals per actual minutes. Mm. Sharp's in the company of Tammy Abraham, Dwight Gale. He's better than Gale, as in you know, he's the same as Gale, the same as Abraham. So what we're talking about there is a man who's 32, who apparently couldn't cut in this league, who no one, not even us, would thought would get more than 15. 
is in the company of someone who's about to go for 18 million quid and someone who's been sold for 20 million quid in the last three years. That's pretty good. I, do we do we actually appreciate Billy Sharp as much as we should? No, I don't think so. Although, I mean, you and I certainly do. I was, uh, you know, I think I think after that Blackburn game, I just sort of, I, I was just walking home and just had a moment of like, I don't think I've ever felt this positively about a United player before. I mean, I'm only no. mid-30s, so, you know, I, I missed out on a lot of Blades greats, I guess. You know, I started watching post-Brian Dean, I suppose, on, you know, certainly after Curry and all that. But, yeah, yeah, same. But, but nobody, nobody has made me, like, so proud to watch them play for United. And, you know, everything he does off the pitch as well, you know, is uh, you know his interaction on social media, the stuff he does, like for uh, you know kids coaching and stuff like this, like you just can't help but be massively proud that this guy is is just getting better and better as his career goes on, and you know he's getting that that national recognition. You know, sort of Alan Shearer had tweeted him congratulations earlier on and all this, and yeah, it's amazing. I'm so I'm so pleased for him and so pleased every time he hits the back of the net for us. It's amazing. Yeah, can't, yeah, that's my last sentence on that. I can't echo that anymore. He is an apt... When they talk about model pros, Billy Sharp is a model professional. And it's not said enough nationally or even regionally. Um, he is just an... We don't obviously know him personal, personal but he's, he just comes across as an outstanding man. You'd love to go for a pint with him because he's, you know, he's, he's got good banter. He's clearly got good banter because he takes a lot of stick as well. And he does literally take it on the chin and just plod on. But he is just... I think that Billy Sharp is our modern day Tony Curry, Alan Woodward. You know, for us who were, weren't old enough to see them, when he retires, he will be the one we remember. And if this season we end up doing something, don't want to talk about that, but if we're going to do something and, he, and he's the man who's the catalyst for that, it, he, he might well go down as just behind Curry as the best ever. Yeah, might, might be the point we all have to get Billy Sharp tattoos. I'm gonna say I was just about to say something and then I thought better of it. So. <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, well, with McGoldrick actually, because yeah, I do. I think this does deserve speaking about because we talked about him at at length on the previous podcast, and you know his his lack of contribution in the sort of the the key statistical measures for a striker, you know. Uh, conversion rate, obviously goals. Uh, you know how how he stacks up against his xG, um, but also his um, his chance creation and his assists. And not only has he picked up some goals over Christmas, he's you know he scored four in those five. Uh, one, two, three, four. Yeah, four in those five games as well. Um, he's got a couple of assists to go with it. He set up the uh, opener against Blackburn. Um, there's another one that's oh he set up another one for Sharp as well against Wigan. Uh, yep. I think there's another one in there that's temporarily slipped my mind, but never mind. And then, yeah, and I think also the quality of his finishing has been fantastic. You know, the goal he scored against West Brom, I mean, it's one of them where you sort of don't expect it to go in based on, uh, I guess, a little bit of the chance quality, but also the fact that it's McGoldrick and he's, you know, he's just seems like unable to put away chances at the moment. They either, you know, hit a defender yeah. on the line or forces a great save. But, you know, that one goes in. Uh, incredible finish against Derby as we talked about and I also really really liked his finish against Blackburn I know it's essentially yeah. an empty goal and he's like three yards out but that's not easy the ball kind of hits him almost on the neck and he like you know he has like a fraction of a second to angle his body to to keep it down I mean I'm not a professional footballer but I would imagine more times than not that either 
hits me in the face and ricochets back to Fleck, or I, you know, in trying to maneuver it goalwards, it goes over the bar. And yeah, just a three really, really good finishes from him. And uh, yeah, it's it's great to see because you know I've sort of well, I don't know, if championed him is the right word, but. I absolutely love watching him play. You know, he offers so much more than just goals. And you mm-hmm. know, now that he's almost in double figures, I actually I, this is probably a bit bit nerdy. Maybe I shouldn't admit admit this, but while I was waiting for uh, for us to do this, I went back and listened to what we'd said about McGoldrick on the previous podcast. And uh, you said that if he gets double figures from where we were at the start of the season, that is a fun, phenomenal return on the signing. And here we are, and he's one more goal and he's in double figures. And you know the the way we're playing at the minute, he might get it next week for all I know. So uh, yeah, absolutely, great job by him. Um, and, and, and I stand by that as well. I stand by that for a free transfer. Yeah. Um, you know, and now you say now he's getting assists as well. You, you can't. I not because a couple of Norwich fans follow me for the XG tables and things, and they made a good point. Timo Puki was also a free transfer for them. So yeah, mm. you throw him in the conversation. But those two are probably value signings of the season. Yeah. I mean. He, he does, you know, McGoldrick's XG is 12.41. He, he's now regressing to that, so he's scoring goals and getting closer to it. But with the way we create chances and how good he is, he could quite easily get 15 himself. Is because it really inconceivable? Ridiculous. You know, he get he got six at the halfway point. He could quite easily get another six. Yeah. You know, and then we're talking about strikers who Billy was probably going to get 20 minimum. You'd expect him to get four more, save an injury. McGoldrick, save an injury. And he does that's another thing, by the way, his injury record. He does not look anywhere close to getting injured. No, you know, there's, there's no, there's no muscle strains going on here or fitness issues. If he gets took out, that'll be an injury. Other than that, he's there for the season. Yeah, I think so. Um, I had a very neat segue there for the Blackburn game, but it's completely slipped my mind. So here is an so unneat the Bla- segue. So the Blackburn game, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, so I, I do want to. There's a few things I want to touch on here, but this was quite a. A more interesting game than I thought it was going to be, I think. Or a more eventful game, that's a better way of <laughs> describing it. Because the first half was pretty sloppy, I think, from United. You know, there was a lot of random miscontrols out of play. The referee was, uh, well, I'll just say it was terrible. Uh, it was one of the worst. Uh, yeah, I thought the referee against Derby was abysmal. And I left that thinking, well, it'll be a long time for us to see a ref that bad again this season. As it happens, it was like two days later. Um, yeah, it was really shocking. Uh, just a, a really low-quality sort of game. Uh, and then when Basham got sent off, uh, if you told me the final score was going to be 3-0, I would not have thought it would have been to United. <laughs> but but low it proved to be as Richard Smallwood. On his birthday, no less. I was somebody pointing that one out to me on Twitter. Um, with probably the stupidest thing I've seen on a football pitch this year. They yeah. had that game in the bag. There was like half an hour. I think it was 25 minutes left when he... He made that tackle, and while they hadn't been creating many chances, which we can talk about tactically in a sec, more likely than not, they were going to, at the absolute worst-case scenario, draw that game nil-nil. And then he flies into a tackle on Sharp, manages to injure his own man in the process, which was <laughs> this is an added bonus of stupidity. <laughs> and and the game changed so quickly; it was amazing. When you know when Basham went off, we barely touched the ball up. Uh, I don't have this handy, but I think there was so I think there was what twenty minutes where we yeah we played twenty minutes for ten men. Uh, we completed twenty two passes in those twenty minutes, which just shows you how little of the ball we have. Smallwood goes off. Obviously, we have a free kick from the foul. Blackburn more or less didn't touch the ball again until they were three nil down. You know, we just ran riot ten v ten, and part of that was because they'd made. I mean, this is the just doubling down on the stupidity. Blackburn had gone for the kill. They brought on Dak and uh, another player as well. And 
basically change shape to play 11 v 10 and the small yeah. wood goes off a few minutes later and they're absolutely buggered frankly they had absolutely no way to reorganize and yeah we just knocked it round them and threw them three lovely goals thanks very much but yeah i mean let let's just talk a little bit about how we did with with 10 men and how we did it because i thought this was i thought i thought it was interesting that we you know we switched to the back four uh we kept three in midfield and we kept two up front which you know, you kind of think the, the sort of standard thing you do when you go down to ten men is you take a striker off, don't you, and just try and do two banks of four and uh, hope for the best with one up front, I guess. But I saw Wilder said this afterwards. You know, we wanted to to keep our approach, and from a defensive point of view, I think it actually worked as well. You know, you kept McGoldrick and Sharp pressurizing their defenders, and it it really slowed Blackburn down. I mean, you know, they I think they completed like a hundred and fifty passes in this in this twenty minute period, from what I saw. Um, but so much of it was along their back floor, back four. It was, you know, it was quite a conservative approach. I think Henderson only made one save in while we had ten men, which was, you know, it was a fairly good chance, but you know, not the most difficult save for him in the end. And um, yeah, it was it was an approach that was working, I think. And then suddenly Smallwood gets sent off, and uh, I guess yeah, what what kind of pleased me was, you know, we we kept that approach and we stayed in the game, we kept it level. And we gave the opportunity for something ridiculous to happen, you know, whether that is a uh, defender having a brain fart, as it was in the end, or, you know, somebody scoring a wonder goal for us to win the game or something like that. But, yeah, I mean, just a, a, another sort of example of tactical brilliance from us and, and also the the fitness and discipline to pull it off, I guess, with a man down. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, uh, I was stumped because I, I, as soon as we went 10 men, I thought, OK, you know, a couple of games in a row, Blackburn mm. at home, and, and you could see just just kind of when I look back after the game, you saw as soon as he got sent off, the possession stats. Blackburn were already dominating the possession stats, yeah, because they were well in the game. Like you say, you know, that first half was very tight, not much in it, really much going on really until the red card, and all of a sudden you just knew what was coming. That Blackburn's shot started adding up, their pressure started adding up. They weren't really give, you know, we weren't really creating anything great, but it was just starting to add up. And you felt it coming, didn't you? You felt it, you know, it, it was going to be 1 0, but in the turn that it wasn't. But I was saying, right, okay, we need pace, Connor Washington on. You know, we need an outlet ball, don't we? You know, 10 men you normally sat in, and we did sit in quite well. But we need someone who can chase channels down, who can yeah. maybe get on the end of something so we can push up the pitch. I couldn't agree more. Wilder, it was, Wilder, it was much better than any of us, including us, um, because what Sharp and Dinty did was fantastic. Um, I think we, we all forget, me included, sometimes that. Out of every single striker in the league, McGoldrick is in the top five for pressing stats. Mm. He works extremely hard and he's very good at it as well. He wins the ball a lot and forces mistakes out of opposition midfielders and defenders. So, you know, he's a great player to leave on. Sharp worked his socks off. He's done that all Christmas. He's been fantastic. Um, but also, we we didn't actually drop that deep. Yeah. You know, we didn't... I think the greatest thing was Egan and O'Connell were so confident they were going to win balls into the box. Um, the, Egan was immense in this game, by the way. He was, he was absolutely he was, fantastic. I was a monster, it, and to be fair to him, he has been a monster all season since them first couple of games. Yeah, people always go on about because we conceded some goals. A team concedes goals, not a single defender. A single defender can make an error, mm. but a team concedes goals. John Egan has been absolutely phenomenal, and and he's now we have, like you said, we have a joint second best defense in the league, and everyone's praising this defense. It's exactly what we said on the pod last year. Richard Stearman's a great pro, a very good defender. John Egan is another level. Mm-hmm. Which is why four million on John Egan is going to be cheap come the end of the season. 
Yeah. It's just facts. But we didn't drop deep. They were confident in their defending that we held a decent line. And that showed in the average positions at the end of the game because Flex actually average position, despite having 10 men for what, 10, 12 minutes or so, was basically in a number 10 role. Hmm. You know, that sounds... You know, 10, 12 minutes, can that affect average position? Well, it can if you sit in the back, you know, two banks of four on your own penalty area. But we didn't. And that, that helped as well, because obviously if we sit in, we're not the greatest side at defending his own penalty box. We're better at defending on the front foot. Yeah. Even go as far as Ender Stevens. So I looked at this. When Ender Stevens, when Bash got sent off, Stevens made three tackles and interceptions after that point. And they were all over the halfway line. Mm. That's... You know, and he was playing left back at that point because we had ten men. So he's not playing left wing back; he's playing left back. Yeah. You know, so to do that and to have the confidence to go and play on the front foot still and try and go win the ball high so we can play, it's just everything that this team is about. It, it, and it all—it's all credit to Wilder, like you say. Didn't jump at a tactical change. Left the guys on the pitch, knew they'd do a job, made sure we played a decent position on the pitch. And then, yeah, we, we did get a little bit lucky because it was just a stupid thing to do from their player. But to go on and score three after that, when the energy levels would have been sapped, mm. you know, yeah, it's a momentum swinger. But when the energy levels are already down, you might be thinking, oh, we're in the game here. We'll come out with a point or sneak a goal. Exactly what I thought. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that that third goal aesthetically was a, was beautiful. <laughs> really was, wasn't it? Just yeah. beautiful. The Norwood and Norwood and Fleck just literally it looked like it was just them two on the pitch passing it forwards, didn't it? You Almost know, just, like where you see the uh the ring of like substitutes at half time, like trying yeah. to trying to keep it up with each other. Yeah, it was exactly that. They were just literally rondoing their way forwards. Yeah. You know, and no. then Fleck just, just turns on his burners, goes down. And I, I agree with you, McGall's a great finish because he didn't look hard, but that ball could easily have hit him and gone off somewhere. He's got no time to react. So just pop a chest muscle out and knock it in the roof of the net's quite clever, really. Yeah, exactly. Just just flexed and it went in. Exactly. <laughs> I think, yeah, just quickly to finish up the Blackburn game, I mean, this I again thought this as I was leaving the ground. I was like, it's such a bonus win for us because with that red card, you know, we, we talked about the unchanged teams. We probably, I mean, being realistic, if they don't get a man set off, as I say, they, Blackburn probably go on and win the game. So we now we now lose the game. We're knackered because we've got an unchanged team and we're doubly knackered because we've had to play with 10 men for 40 minutes, it would have been. And oh, look, we've got another game coming up in two days' time. So yeah. to get out of that with a win and to you know be able to actually actually conserve energy and knock it around a little bit for 15 minutes at the end and you know give Washington and Leon some, some minutes and that kind of thing, just such a... a like, you know the, the points are very valuable, but actually through the whole busy festive period trademark, um, that is really really valuable for us that we uh, yeah we're able to do that. I think so. Yeah, thanks, Richard Smallwood. Did he want to play for Wednesday? We're making that up. Might be making that up. Rotherham. Yeah, maybe it was Rotherham. So I'll leave. Oof, that is not the Richard Smallwood I meant. Apparently, there's a, a American gospel music artist called Richard Smallwood, but that is uh, he definitely did play for Wednesday. Uh, yeah, he did play for Rotherham, yeah, 100 games for Rotherham, and Scunny as well. That must be what I'm thinking of. But yeah, that was amazing. And then, yeah, moved on to Wigan, uh, where, well, actually, yeah, we can talk about this in, in this context. I mean, we, we talked about defending as a team, and I think through those three games, Derby, Blackburn, Wigan, it should be noted that the opposition had very, very few chances in these games. I mean, you know, Blackburn had a, had a string of free kicks, uh, which, yep. yeah. <clears throat> Charlie Mulgrew. Some of them pretty questionable. I, I'd say 
Blackburn might want to think about letting someone else take their free kicks. Mulgrew's plan seems to be just hitting into the wall every time, which, you know, okay, that got a man sent off for us, so congratulations. But uh, didn't actually get very near to, to scoring, apart from, you know, one I think just nicked off the wall and ended up hitting the post. But, yeah. Um, yeah, very few chances in that game. Derby, again, only free kicks, really, they threatened through, apart from the... Uh, it was Wilson that Bulldog cleared off the line, right? Yep. Yeah, that one. And then uh, Wigan, there was just the one the one rebound to Mr. Lee Evans, who uh, who put his shot wide. And yeah, other than that, uh, three pretty comfortable wins, scored three goals in every game. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get to watch the Wigan game. I've only, only been able to see the highlights, but Duffy's involvement from an attacking point of view uh, in the Wigan game, huge. I mean, scored a goal himself. There was the through ball to McGoldrick that created Sharp's goal. There was another through ball as well for McGoldrick. And you know, is sometimes I think you sometimes uh, I don't know. Maybe this isn't accurate, but sometimes watching a whole game of Duffy, you maybe forget his highlights almost. You yeah. Know, when when it's sort of just condensed into two minutes of highlights, where it's like, oh, that attack started because he played an absolutely inch perfect pass, and oh, look at the way he's just managed to effortlessly control that ball, dribble away from someone, and lay it off to someone else, and or hit it into the back of the net. That's almost a moment where you actually appreciate what he does and can do even more, I think. And yeah, that Wigan game, uh, from from what I could see, he had a huge impact on it. Obviously got the goal himself. Yeah, I agree with you, actually. I watched the highlights on the night and then I've watched it full 90 back since. And uh, I agree, yeah. Because he can, he does... He does drift in and out of the games. Because, not that he's not involved, but sometimes his involvements are a bit deeper mm. because he's so involved in getting control of the ball. Um, you know, and stru- structuring the kind of formed attack, if you will, when we all move as one into the opposition half, compared to when the highlights in this game were, which is often on the counter attack. Mm. This is something I want to talk about actually, which is we seem we- we're scoring more goals now by breaking on the yeah. opposite. And this is what I mean about unstructured defences. Mm. So in that Wigan game, a lot of uh, I mean, we think of okay, so the corner from the goal from the corner, well, not directly from the corner, but you know, the goal from the corner, yeah, fair enough. But you look at the goals after that. And it's all from unstructured defences. So Dino launching it early, I, I, I can't fully give him all the credit for a pass to Sharp there because it was just a punt. But that that clearly that was something that had been highlighted. You know that that, that when we get the ball, if we can break early, we do it. Mm. Got the third goal was great. It's a great video someone shared on Twitter from the uh, Wigan end actually. Um, and it's it's you know a United fan shared it saying how to turn attack, defense into attack and basically we're gonna have got the ball and our final third playing about with it we win the ball back Craney straight out wide to Baldock Baldock does his little sprint inside to Duffy and this is a key thing about that game actually we I want to give all credit to Alan Nil because I know it's Nil that does this type of thing with the analyst at United because I've had conversations with him, but everything good was down the right hand side. Hmm. And actually, when you look at the average positions and the touch maps, Ender Stevens was the deepest he's been all season. Oh, yeah. I saw you tweeting about this. So that isn't by coincidence. These things sometimes happen by coincidence, but it isn't by coincidence that Stevens was so deep and Bulldog was so high. That's because they'd seen a weakness in Wigan's left-hand side. And my imagination is going to be because Cal Naismith, Wigan's left-back, he's not a left-back. He's a converted Mm. winger. So we thought, get at him. And you saw that perfectly in the third goal. Bulldog drives on into the space where their left-winger isn't because they're attacking. All of a sudden, Duffy shifts over slightly to the right centre. McGoldrick shifted to the right. Before you know it, there's, there's, there's exactly that overload. But this time, rather than it being an overload in a, a quite tight area against the set defence, it's an overload against one man in a moving 
attack, if you will. And that's mm. what we've done much better for me in the last three games. We've been a bit more vertical. So that pass from Baldock to Duffy, that's quite a forward pass. You know, Duffy forwards to McGoldrick, a little bit less lateral. I love our play. I don't think it needs to change too much. It just needed tweaking. And these are the type of tweaks that make us a little bit harder to play against yeah, as if exactly. we weren't already. Because what we're doing is we're saying, okay, if you're going to come and attack us and press us, we can play in. We can play on a break. You know, Baldock has got pace. McGoldrick can shift. If you give the ball to Duffy in space, he's going to hurt you. And and that that was great to see. Um, and yeah, it was just the weekend game was really weird actually because when I watched it back, we weren't great. We we deserved mm. to win, uh, but we weren't great at all. And certainly that Evans chance early on was a big moment, mm. you know, because that should have been a goal. And if that goes in, it could change the the complexion of the whole game and the outcome. But we seem to just do enough, uh, and that's gr- almost better than playing well. I think sometimes, you know, that's that's one thing me and you have always labelled this United side. We can't just play okay and win. Whereas we went to Wigan and played pretty well, but not great, but won three nil. I mean. How yeah. good is the side? I think, yeah, coming at the end of this run of uh, fixtures as well and knowing that, you know, now it's two weeks till your next championship game or, or thereabouts, yeah, that's, it's pretty big just to get any, get a result by any means, really, and then uh, rest up and come back for the QPR game, I suppose. So, yeah, that was, uh, that was good to see. Um, yeah, ju- just to wrap up then quickly, I mean, uh, looking ahead slightly... Um, so Kieran Dowell obviously signed on loan. You know, United is everything's going so well with United at the moment that we're able to uh, announce our January signings in December. And, uh, <laughs> and there's the first one. I mean, you know, we kind of said, I think Wilder said a few weeks ago um, about how you know we'll only be signing loan players uh, in this transfer window, but that's a pretty good start. I mean, he was he was very good for um, Forest for. I think for probably about half a season last year, and then Karanka came in, and uh, I have quite a low opinion of Karanka, to be honest, as a manager. Um, and I think Dowell's form dropped off a little bit. He scored against us for Forest as well, but England under twenty one international, very highly rated. I think you know some people will say, "Oh well, you know our, our last loanee from a, a Premier League team that's gone well, hasn't it?" Um, but yeah, I, but that's, the, the huge... that's nonsense, though. Dean Henderson's from a Premier League club, so is Jamal Blackburn, and that's I don't know keepers, but that's if, nonsense. If, if isn't this it? Uh, if this fictional uh, fan were to were to rephrase his point, he would probably <laughs> say the last outfield player from a Premier League. Um, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, the, the big difference between uh, Woodburn is that uh, Dowell obviously played at this level already, and you know this is his. Uh, second, if not third, loan spell at this kind of level, actually. Um, so, you know, that that is development-wise, that seems to be a very big thing when you look at players like like Barnes, like uh, Harvey Barnes, that is, like um, like Wilson and Mount, you know, they, they've gone out already and, and, and had a loan spell and been successful and, and now they're flourishing again. So, yeah, signs are promising there for Dal. I mean, do you know much about him as a as a player and, you know, what we can kind of expect to see from him or where he'll slot into the team? absolutely loads like Kieran Dowell is the one player I wanted us to sign you know anyone who follows my Twitter will know I have literally I've been drooling over this man for six months wow I I just couldn't does your girlfriend know about this yeah she does yeah Kieran as soon as we signed him I let a little yelp out (laughs) I loads of people tweeting me saying like you know images of me staring at a computer doing things but you know Kieran Dowell is just he's, he's perfect for our system so if we can only sign loans and this could go wrong. 
because no one knows how a player is going to fit in, mm. other than the fact that Kieran Dowell is extremely good friends with John Lundstrom because they were in the Everton youth team together. He's extremely good friends with Dean Henderson because of England teams. Yeah, he's also decent mates with Jack O'Connell. So I'm all right with this. I think Dowell will fit in fine. Let, let's be fair. The one thing we don't do, and if we talk about Plan Bs, is there's not enough shots from around. I wouldn't say outside the box, but from around the edges. Mm-hmm. We can overplay a bit. We do lack a little bit of dynamism in transition, although you know we just spoke about how that was good against Wigan. But generally, I think you know we're not a counter-attacking side, are we? Um, and maybe a maverick as well. So Duffy's fantastic. Me and you love Mark Duffy, but it's very controlled, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it's all about angles and, and possession. Whereas we might just miss someone who just does something unstructured, basically, who just beats a man and whaps one in the top corner, you know, without having to do all this intricate play. Kieran Dowell is every one of those things. He last season in the championship, if you take all number tens or people who played in advanced midfield positions, Dowell took the joint most shots from outside the box. He was the joint third highest goal scorer. He had the joint third highest key passes. He had the joint third successful dribbles. So he's in the top three for everything that we don't currently do. So that That's you know, that, very promising. I, you can't really take more than that. I, yeah, team styles matter. So Kieran Dowell is not going to have those stats in the Sheffield United team. He's going to be expected to do different things. About his drop off again uh, from Forest, there's some nonsense been spoken by Forest fans. I don't need to be a Forest fan to check this. Dowell played a hell of a lot less minutes in the second half of the season when Karanka mm. came in. He had a slight injury, and then Karanka came in, and Lee Tomlin was chosen as the number ten. Yes, Dal did dip, but anyone who scores that many goals early on is going to dip. Um, and he is a young man, so he's not always going to be on form. He's also quite languid. He isn't going to run around. He ain't going to press a load of people. He's not going to dive into tackles. There'll be some United fans sat on the cop who say, get him off, he does nothing. You know, he is going to be one of those players, but he is a maverick. He's not Ben Woodburn. He's far advanced. He's an England uh, Under-20 World Cup winner. He is an absolutely exceptional player. Um... I know some very good people in football who work at Everton who love him. They wanted him to be in the first team. The manager just looked at him over the last six months and they've moved on. I think Everton, they're, they're going to mm. spend some money, it looks like. So he's going to be a Premier League player next year, whether that's with us if we sign him, if we went up or Everton or someone else. He's a Premier League player. Um, this is a fantastic signing. It really is. Yeah. I, I, I have no more to say on that. It's just a great, great signing. Excellent. Looking forward to seeing him. Well, well, speaking of Premier League players, uh, particularly on loan, Harvey Barnes sounds like he's returning back to uh, Leicester, possibly going straight to their team. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, when I sent you the notes for this podcast yesterday, uh, included the question, why isn't anyone signing Tammy Abraham? I had this, <laughs> I had this brainwave. I was like, hang on, why isn't anyone just buying Tammy Abraham, getting him the hell out of the championship? And then, uh, yeah, news broke that uh, Wolves are get, probably going to sign him for $18 million. It's in the sun. I don't know how accurate that is, although it is from our, our old friend, um, Nico. So maybe it is accurate after all. Um, but, yes, I mean, that's that's two huge uh, players for our rivals, no less. I mean, I know Villa are a bit further down the table, but you, you think they're probably, probably still going to mount a run at the top six. Yep. Probably being stripped away from our division. And, uh, yep. you know, obviously they're, they're not the, they don't belong to these clubs. So it's not like the, you know, it's not like the uh, uh, James Madison situation with Norwich where, you know, suddenly they're going to have 30 million to, to spend on new players and strengthen their squad. You know, this is the risk that those teams take by having those players. And, 
yeah, could be a very nice bonus for us if if that's how it pans out. Oh yeah, yeah. Quickly on that, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I don't think there's no Abraham's going to go somewhere in January. You know, once one club bids, they're all going to go. Because if you get yeah. Tammy Abraham for less than twenty million quid, you've got a bargain. Yeah. He played in a... I mean, everyone goes back... He's, he had one season at Swansea, which was one of the worst Swansea teams you can imagine, mm. you know, with four different managers. And he still didn't have a bad goal-scoring record then. He's he's a, he's 22 or 21. He's a Premier League He's player. only just turned 21 this year. Uh, he's, a couple of months he's, ago, sorry. He's, he's got every attribute. Physicality, pace, good finisher, scores goals, can link play. And as for Harvey Barnes, I mean, he, he's the best player in the championship. Mm. He, just, he just is on stats. He does it all. Scores goals, leads the league in expected assists, links play, sets up chances. He's fantastic. They are two irreplaceable players. West Brom and Villa, if they go, will not get better players than them. Mm. Incidentally, you know, so. how frustrating was it that uh, that we spent ages talking about Barnes, Jay Rodriguez, Dwight Gale uh, for West Brom, and then we're undone by bloody Gareth Barry and Kieran Gibbs. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I didn't actually know who'd scored the goals uh, until after the game. And I looked, I looked at my phone point. and was like, oh, you're having a laugh. I can't believe it. <laughs> that is a great point. That I mean, I mean Gibbs, all right. Gibbs is a decent left-back. He gets forward. But at no, all right. yeah, I think Gareth Barry would be the goal threat that caused us problems. But I know. Exactly. I fair play to him. Good squad, haven't they? But he's a, you know, that's good. I think, I think there's other players as well being linked. There's a lot. The championship's going to get poached, I think, this 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 January, to be honest, because there's a lot of lower half Premier League clubs that are going to go for championship players. So, well, you know, yeah, I'm sort of surprised there aren't rumours with Wilson, to be honest. Uh, for a, you know, not obviously not to go uh, into Liverpool's team, but for somebody to, well, probably overpay for him as a an impact player. But I guess he's a slightly different kind of player. It's, uh, yeah, it's kind of similar to Barnes, I suppose, isn't he? I think yeah. I, I think Liverpool have ambitions for him though in terms yeah, okay. of first-team player for them. So I think that they see him performing at Derby and think this season's better for him there. Same as Mason yeah. Mount at Derby as well. You know, I think Chelsea have ambitions for him being a first-team player, whereas, you know, Chelsea clearly don't want to play Sammy. Leicester want to put Barnes in the first team now. That, yeah. That's why Leicester are getting him back. They're not selling him. Harvey Barnes will be in Leicester's first team in the next two weeks. You know, yeah. I, I stand by what I said in the pod a few weeks ago. He's an England player in the next year. So, mm. you know, that, that, they're just cheat codes in the championship. They really are. But, I mean, uh, you know... Don't want to talk about other teams or anything, but those two doing that, and then you know, I'm not going to say I know anything or you read anything, but we're going to bring in a striker in January. We are. Yeah, I've got a note here. There's something uh, Alan Biggs tweeted uh, probably about a week ago, so talking about a quote big addition planned up front, uh, as in that's in the works. So yeah, see, it seems like that's uh, that's what everybody's saying. There's there, there'll be other names. I, I googled every Premier League squad by the way the other day, and I was like, right, so who's a striker who can be available on loan? I was like, right, <laughs> Sam Folks. He's like, he's not playing. Kenneth Sahal's not playing. I was like, there's another name. You're making like a massive sort of spreadsheet laid out on a wall and drawing lines between them like you're a detective or something. That's it, just statting up on them all. Like, does he fit our system? How many six-yard box goals does he score? You know, this is the type of thing that people like me do because we're weird. But yeah, it's just, yeah. I, I, good. I, I think by the looks of it, we're, we're definitely going to bring a striker in. Don't care who or what. It'll just be another number, if nothing else. And it's going to be a Premier League striker. It's going to be someone who's half decent. Yeah. Um, you know, as we've already spoke about, Sharp and Didier are on fire. So whoever comes in is going to have a hard work to take their place. But if we get someone who can be a plan B, if we get someone who is of a four physical stature, it is something we are lacking. Mm-hmm. If we all think back to that League One season when it started to get tight, James Hansen did a great job at doing that in tight games. 
Um, you know, I'm not saying lump it up to a big guy, but if there's someone up there who's a bit more physical in the box, who can hold it up, who can win the odd more kind of just whip it in the box type player, mm. that can only benefit us. That's you know, that's how Middlesbrough attack a lot. That's how West Brom sometimes attack to, to Rodriguez. So I think I think we've done a great window already because we haven't even talked about the fact Norwood's permanent. Yeah. You know, so it's a great window already. If we get a striker to add to the numbers, this is incredible. Let's see where we go. We got we got a, we got a tough few games in January, so I'm always cautiously optimistic because there's a tough few away games at the end of January. So, yeah, but I think yeah, just uh, for the rest of the season, we've still got six of the bottom seven to come to Bramall Lane, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I'd, well, I mean, if you if you figure we win say four or five of those at least, you know that that puts you a long way towards um, you know what is traditionally needed to get in the playoffs. I suppose on 47 points at the moment. It's looking good, mate. I have to say, uh, I didn't think we'd make the playoffs this season. Uh, and then I think about two or three months in, I thought, you know what, we probably could make the playoffs. And now I'm thinking, wow, we definitely can make the playoffs and sort of roadmapping it a little bit. So, yeah, exciting times. But, um, yeah, FA Cup this weekend, just to to finish on that note, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> let, let me start with this. How How annoyed will you be on a scale of 1 to 10 if we lose to Barnet at Bramall Lane this weekend? Hmm. obviously annoyed because like we just whatever team we put out we shouldn't be losing to Barnet that's no disrespect that's just fact yeah um, I, and I think we're going to talk about team yeah well very briefly but yeah one thing we were discussing last night on Twitter just openly is like how how good the reserve the whole 11 if we changed it how good it still looks on paper it's you know that's like our league one squad and better yeah so you know that should still easily be Barnet there's some quality players in there that, more than enough so I'd be annoyed. Would I be annoyed if we don't go far in the FA Cup? I've always loved the FA Cup and I've always loved the fact that Sheffield United in recent years have been very good in cups. Some very, very good FA Cup memories in my United watching lifetime. Yeah, shame. You know, a cups hold, they do hold a special place for me. Um, you know, I would like us to go far. I'm not one of these that thinks you get out of the cup and you have a good league form. I mm. think players, I think players are that fit these days generally that, you know, it's one game, isn't it? Cups are one one round, isn't it? You know, you're four rounds away from the semis already, I think. So yeah, it's four games. What's another four games on top? It's, it's not really a lot, is it? You know, I, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too disappointed. I want to beat Barnet, and then I wouldn't be too disappointed if we got a big team, got some money, and then whatever happened in that game is what happened. Yeah, I think that's that's my view on where our FA Cup run should go this year. Yeah, very much low priority for me to be honest. Uh, same same thing. I, I want us to win this weekend. I, I don't want I don't want the embarrassment of losing to a non-league team at all. But at the same time, uh, I do think we should change if not the entire team then almost the entire team. You know, we've just had all these games. Want to see some fringe players get a run out. Want to see Dowell play, get give Washington a start. Let's have Coots have 90 minutes. Um, you know, Stearman ninety minutes. Maybe, uh, maybe Smith gets an appearance. A few, uh, you know, any of the youth lads as well. Sort of, uh, not necessarily start them, but you know, get them coming off the bench. That kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's my priority for this game. I think, and and hopefully still be enough to win quite comfortably. To be honest. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I was I'm excited. I hope Keen Brian plays. I think Wild City will. I'm excited to see Keen Brian. I'm excited to see Dowell. Um, excited to have hopefully Washington can score a goal because I think he's he's made some very important contributions and you know I don't want him to just because we're going to sign maybe one maybe even two strikers I don't want Washington to to fade away you know yeah he, he, yeah, he has certainly played a part um, and he deserves that and Clark as well who's 
got the odd goal recently. You know, fitness issues, it'd be nice for him to get another couple. I think Freeman will probably play. It'd be nice to see Freeman again, um, just to see if he's recovered and, and kind of got that zest back in the attacking third. And most of all, I want to see Marvin Johnson, I think, as well. Mm. Um, you know, Dowell I'm excited about because I'm, I'm the biggest Kieran Dowell fan ever and probably my reputation rests on Kieran Dowell being decent. <laughs> um, and Keen Bryan I'm excited about because I think, you know, if we don't go up in the summer, Jackal probably will go. And Keen Bryan is the ready-made replacement for him. So I want to see how he plays. But I see this, I won't say abuse, not abuse, but I see the criticism and the negativity of Marvin Johnson. Some of it's right. He's not been very good. Mm. But I think I worked, I worked out to someone earlier on Twitter. On average, in his eight games, he's had 18 minutes a game. Yeah, this is it. I think I think the thing is, I, I've barely seen him do anything good. Like, I think yeah. almost almost everything he's done has been bad. But yeah, yes. he's had such little opportunity to do much of anything at all. That like a couple of bad moments stick in your head. Of course, and he's cost goals or he's done something silly on a cross that's going to stay. He's not been great. I'm not saying he's going to be good. I'm just saying we shouldn't judge a man who's had 18 minutes a game. You can judge him on mistakes he's made and say, that's not good enough. That doesn't need to happen again. You can do that. You can't yeah. judge a man who's not even played a full 90 minutes for your team yet when he's trying to adapt to a new style and position. He played left wing back for Oxford in 20 odd games. Other than that, he's a winger. Yeah. He, he is a winger who we're trying to convert to left wing back because we play so offensively. He does give pace and he does give directness. It's Barnet at the weekend. If he plays amazing, I'm not going to think he's a great player all of a sudden. I just think that eight appearances in 18 minutes on average per game isn't enough to judge someone off. And if we did that, we might not have some of this squad that we currently have playing for us. Yeah, and uh, Wilder clearly sees him as the uh, as the backup at left wing back with um, Daniel Lafferty moving out on loan today to Peterborough as well. Um, and yeah, I looked this up actually because I, I don't feel like it was accurately reported on our own site, but he is on a season-long loan, Marvin Johnson, because yeah, I, I kind of was under the impression that we, we had him till January and then you know maybe an, an option to extend the loan. I've seen some people... Think he's on, he was on a, a loan to buy deal like Norwood was, but that's definitely not the case. He's just on loan here for the remainder of the season. So yeah, obviously you know Wilder Wilder sees him as Ender's backup, and uh, yeah, this is the the game to give him a full ninety minutes in, I suppose. Yeah, I think there's I think there's there's a fee set, so we're not having to pay it. But if we right. want to buy him, there is a fee already set. I think that's what it was. So that they will have agreed a price. I, you know, right, okay. I, I don't know how concrete that is because if, if he ended up playing the second half of the season and was a magician. I'm sure Borough would want more. But mm. I think that it, it, there is a deal in place if we want it, but I don't think there's an obligation to buy like there was with Norwood. Is that, nice. not quickly, has the Norwood signing been announced? Officially? No, it hasn't, actually. I know what are they playing at? This is a massive thing. Yeah, they should make a big deal of this, shouldn't they? You know, I actually think United social media has been very uh, very good in the last season or so in terms of like reading you know, what the fans are talking about. So, yep. you know, we've, we've seen the ridiculous dive by Henderson uh, at Wigan <laughs> for the shot that was going miles over. And then, of course, they, they actually, you know, got a much higher quality version of the clip and they've tweeted it themselves today. But, yeah, there's there's nothing on here at all. Like, come on, come on, Blades, what's going on? You're going you're gonna to be starting rumours that uh, he's, he's going back to uh, his parent club or, I don't know, signing for Wednesday or something like that instead. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah get yeah, get it like. nipped in the bud. Yeah, yeah, Steve, Steve Bruce's first signing of the summer transfer window because uh, he won't actually be in charge while the January transfer window is open. Weirdly, let's not talk about Wednesday. No, let's not. Um, let's apart not. from to say that during their resurgence, the gap managed to shrink from eleven points to fifteen points. So, <laughs> well done, them. Um, all right, mate. Uh, we've we've 
waffled on as always for longer than intended so i apologize for taking up more of your time um but yeah overall a very happy christmas i think you know going from the the frustration of losing to west brom and ipswich not playing that well and then suddenly we beat uh, a top six team with you know and a good team in derby I, I don't care what people say if they say oh they're, maybe they're not a very good team after all they are a very good team they have some outstanding players some of whom are probably too good for this division particularly in the lone players and a couple of their defenders as well and we absolutely wiped the floor with them in that second half and you know three one did not flatter us at all and uh yeah third in the league second best goal difference pretty much any measure you want to use advanced or standard has as as what we was what we've been saying all along you know they're a very good team and uh yeah we we're in with a chance of doing something special this season I think we are. Um, I think we said we are when, when I think it was Max Idea about three months ago said, uh, you know, should he cancel his holiday plans oh, yeah. um, in the summer? And we both said, yep, you might regret that one, mate. And uh, I think we stand by it. I think you've, you've made a great point. You know, second best goal difference in the league is if you don't believe expected goals, as some don't, some love it, you know, from what we talk about. But if you don't, I've always thought goal difference is a great measure of how good a team is. Because, yes. you know, beyond points, goal difference says basically how many you're scoring compared to how many conceding, which is pretty much what football is about. Um, you know, so we're second best in the league in that front. Expected goals says we're the best team in the league on expected points. So I've done the table. I'll be releasing that soon. That's We're still top. So, good. you know... If anyone thinks you're biased, actually, in doing that, then I should point out that pretty much every other version of that table I look at from any other source also has us as one of the best couple of teams. So yeah. it's, it's not just a little bit of blaze bias, just, just putting an extra zero on the end. For... Oh, no, no, no. I'm completely <laughs> comfortable with uh, with where, where we are at. Everyone who studies the data knows that Sheffield United are a top six team, one million percent on the data. Whether that reflects in performances and points at the end of the season is always up for debate because that's you know that's the whole point about XG. How predictable is it for future teams in a season? But there is no denying this side, not even on current form, it has been all season long and especially on current form. We haven't lost the XG. I mean, we lost the XG ratio to West Brom, but before that, we haven't lost the XG ratio in hardly any games. Um, you know, in terms of how many how much XG do we have in a game compared to the opposition? So. Hmm. They want a t-shirt with unbeaten on XG in it. Oh, don't do that because that'd be amazing. I'd love that. I'd, I'd, I'd wear it over my end of defender t-shirt. End of defender t-shirt, yeah. Artie Bianco, by the way, made a logo for that, and I want that. Yeah. Like, if we, if 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 I'm getting ahead of myself, but if we ever even come close to promotion, I am wearing that t-shirt for a week at work. That is just, <laughs> I'm wearing the end of defender t-shirt because we were there then. We were the two people who were there. It's gonna have to be done. Right. Uh, anything else? So are you all good with that? No, I think we've waffled and probably bored people enough now. So uh, we're really oh. well. It's only only one place to finish, and that is uh, just to once again say congrats and thank you to Billy Sharp, two hundred and twenty and counting. Um, and yeah, go go get that hundred goals for the Blades in the next uh, the next couple of months if you want to get the hundredth one at Hillsborough. You know, maybe that'd be uh, that'd be nice as well. Alrighty, mate. I will speak to you later. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye.